from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. That undercover investigation included the cooperation of a number of witnesses, the undercover recordings of literally hundreds of meetings and telephone calls. Both he and Boyd are under strict orders from the court not to communicate in any way, shape, or form. This this guy, this John Doe, he hasn't been named. Do we know anything about who this is? We have some indication that it is an individual named Mohammed Al-Mutin. He is the individual who owns the two properties that were listed in the federal subpoenas. I'm Sarah Fenske. Yesterday brought big news for St. Louis. Three city officials were indicted on bribery charges in an indictment unsealed yesterday. Assistant U.S. Attorney Hale Goldsmith explained the scope of the investigation yesterday in front of the courthouse. The indictments unsealed today, the two indictments, are the result of a a two-and-a-half-year undercover investigation conducted by the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the U.S. Attorney's Office here in St. Louis. Um, As I just said in court, That undercover investigation included the cooperation of a number of witnesses, the undercover recordings of literally hundreds of meetings and telephone calls, court-ordered search warrants and phone orders, uh, the review of thousands of text messages and email communications, as well as all traditional surveillance techniques. So that was Prosecutor Hal Goldsmith, former Alderman John Collins Muhammad, Alderman Jeffrey Boyd, and Board of Alderman President Louis Reed are accused of accepting thousands of dollars in cash from an unnamed property owner in the city. Collins Muhammad also allegedly got a 2016 Volkswagen and an iPhone, and Boyd allegedly got free car repairs. In exchange, they allegedly pushed through valuable tax abatements and more. Joining us at noon today to talk about these indictments was STLPR Justice Correspondent Rachel Lipman. She was in federal court yesterday, and she joined us one hour after the Board of Aldermen meeting adjourned this morning. And I should note that since this show first aired, Alderman Jeffrey Boyd's attorney confirmed that the 22nd Ward Alderman would resign today. I first noted with Rachel that John Collins Muhammad stepped down abruptly a month ago, and then I asked if Jeffrey Boyd and Lewis Reed were at the meeting. Yes, they were both in attendance at the Zoom meeting this morning. However, President Reed had said in communications sent out to his colleagues last night that he would step down from his presiding role. So the being up on the dais, controlling the flow of the meeting until further notice and turning it over to Joe Vollmer. What's interesting about that is in the uh, succession plan of the Board of Aldermen, Jeffrey Boyd would technically have been the next in line as the most senior Board of Aldermen. I can only guess that he didn't want to uh, include Mr. Boyd in the succession plan and just jumped to uh, Joe Vollmer of the 10th Ward. And no public complaints from Alderman Jeffrey Boyd about not presiding. No, there were no public complaints from Mr. Boyd about presiding. A couple members of the Progressive Caucus of the Board of Aldermen had said they would not attend Friday's meeting if uh, President Reed had uh, continued to preside. And in the letter he sent to his colleagues, he said, we have been collaborative over the past couple of years and I don't want to uh, in hin- or don't want 
want to impede or hinder that. And hence, I will turn presiding duties over to Alderman Volmer until further notice. So we know he's not going to be presiding. Is he still free to vote on things? He can still make things happen behind the scenes. Yes, he could. He is still a member of the Board of Aldermen. He could conceivably uh, handle legislation, communicate with his colleagues. However, that gets a little bit complicated because both he and Boyd are under strict orders from the court not to communicate in any way, shape, or form. The prosecutor and the defense attorneys for Mr. Boyd and Mr. Reed said yesterday they were fine in the general conduct of business. Uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Alderman Boyd could be recognized. Alderman Reed could be recognized, etc. But they are not to have any communication with each other regarding this indictment. And you'd have to think their attorneys are also counseling them to not really have any private communications or anything that could put them in trouble with the court. So in an open meeting, sounds like it's fine. In an open meeting, when in, no. in, in diff, you know, within communication of, you know, uh, Mr. Boyd, you may speak, uh, Mr. Reed, you may question Alderman Boyd, etc. The normal course of a meeting is you would, you would have any two aldermen communicating with each other. So some of these progressive aldermen sort of foes of this coalition that is now under indictment, uh, they had said they didn't want Reed presiding. Did anyone talk at this meeting uh, calling for resignation, talking about these charges, any of that? There was no direct comment about any of these charges being made. Uh, Alderwoman Christine Ingracia alluded toward it at the end when she asked for a measure of Boyd's that includes tax abatements for another project that is completely unrelated to this indictment. This is a warehouse project up at uh, Interstate 70 and Bircher Avenue uh, that's near Natural Bridge as well. Asked for a resolution authorizing those abatements to be sent back to committee. Alderman Boyd accepted the suggestion of another member of the board to delay it, giving a chance for, you know, questions to be asked, etc. But that was the one sort of allusion to what is going on. Uh, Mr. Alderman Boyd, in conversation about it and in his remarks, basically said, I know what you're trying to do, but this was all done above board. That's when Alderwoman Sharon Tyus of the First Ward slipped in and said, maybe you might want to pump the brakes on this a little bit. I don't think it has to go back to committee. He agreed to keep it on what is known as the informal calendar, which is just kind of a holding ground where you wait to get everyone on board. So this is somewhat of a setback for this unrelated tax abatement being pushed I by this man I who's, you know, who's it, under it indictment a, for tax abatement. It abatements. is a setback in the sense of, yes, they will not get this abatement on the improvements that they are doing. I mm-hmm. did reach out to the company that owns this property to see if it would present a setback to any kind of upgrades they want to do here. They've not reached uh, they have not gotten back to me. Okay. So interesting to hear about what happened this morning. I would love a little more context on what these men are accused of. And we should mention there is a great, very detailed story on our website. That's stlpr.org. That was co-authored by Midwest Newsroom investigative reporter Kayvon Mansouri, uh, political correspondent Jason Rosenbaum, and of course, Rachel Lipman, who is here with us today. But I the- admittedly had not much to do with the writing of that. They said, here you go work on the radio side. And I went, sure. You were there in court. I was there. I was there in court. That is true. Um, So, yeah, tell us about the gist of these charges against these guys. This is what you would refer to as pay to play. There is this business owner who was seeking tax abatements and approval to build a gas station at a property on Von Fool up by Interstate 70 in Adelaide in Alderman Muhammad's ward. He also wanted to do a uh, second project in Alderman Boyd's ward where he would uh, buy and from the city and build an old industrial space in 
Alderman Boyd's ward. And in exchange for these gifts and cars and other and cash and other services, uh, Alderman Boyd, Alderman Muhammad and President Reed worked together to push through legislation to benefit this developer, gave tax abatement to the gas station site and also allowed him to purchase this property on Geraldine for less than it was valued at. Possibly significantly Possibly less. significantly less, yes. Interesting. So this uh, this guy, this John Doe, he hasn't been named. Do we know anything about who this is? We have some indication that it is an individual named Mohammed Al-Mutin. He is the individual who owns the two properties that were listed in the federal subpoenas. We don't know that for sure. There are a lot of clues that he is that individual, but he is a John Doe in the indictment. He is not named. He is not charged. So President Lewis Reed, he spoke to reporters yesterday outside the federal courthouse. That included you. He said he'd only just gotten to see this indictment along with the media. So this was all very new to him. He said he couldn't comment on the specifics. And then he said this. I've, I've been a good steward for the city on a plan to continue to be a good steward to the city. So that is President Lewis Reed suggesting that he is not going to step down. Is there pressure on him to do that? There is. Not quite as much as publicly, at least as you might be expecting. A reporter, Chad Davis, stopped by a resign Reed rally at City Hall today. It was, I think, fair to say sparsely attended. <laughs> there were not that many people there. But there is definitely a question of how do you do your role as an alderman when there are questions being raised about how you conduct your business. So the and what is unclear is what the internal pressure is on Reed and Boyd to step down. Externally, there are, of course, a lot of calls for they should be stepping down. They need to step down. What will probably push him out would be a significant amount of internal pressure. Hmm. So the mayor issued a statement yesterday saying she was, quote, deeply troubled by this. Um, She has not called for resignations. Now, these were not her allies by any stretch of the word. They had really, even though she and Louis Reed have a complicated relationship, doesn't seem like they've been getting along well at all in the last year. Are you surprised that she hasn't seized this moment to push for him to go? I'm wondering if she isn't sure what the benefit is of pushing out someone that she knows who to, how to work with. Mm-hmm. You know, she certainly is concerned about what it could mean for the rest of the city. But I'm wondering if there's a calculation of do people then raise questions about how she has handled certain deals and et cetera. And it is easy to just say, I am concerned. I am paying attention to it. Maybe follow the lead of others to see where the groundswell of support for resigning comes from. Because if it's just one segment of the population pushing for resignation, it becomes, oh, it's just these people who didn't like us anyway. So this indictment had just a host of documentary detail in it. It (laughs) seems clear there was a wire involved. There was very, yes, that was an end. And it's again, there's hints in there as to who was wearing the wire. It appears it was likely John Doe for sure. Whether others were also wired up is unclear. But as you heard in that clip from Mr. Goldsmith at the top of the show, there were individuals wearing recording devices. So Prosecutor Hal Goldsmith, he has a long track record of putting people away. (laughs) Has anyone offered what could possibly be a defense to all this documentary evidence in this indictment? No. All of the attorneys so far have just said no comment. We will wait to see the uh, what uh, discovery evidence is actually produced, all of the underlying evidence to produce this, docu- this uh, document, the indictment. Again, 
This is them cherry picking what they have out of the evidence. Once they turn over everything that they have used to build this case, there may be defenses that could be raised. There's some some potential, again, that there has to be a another side of a quid pro quo, that if the legislation needed did not initially get through, which is true, the original abatement for this tax, uh, original tax abatement for this gas station in Collins Muhammad's district did not get through on the first try. It took a couple of times to get through. So the argument could be made, well, there was a quid, but not a quo because there was no legislative activity. Again, that is pure speculation, questions, etc. But no, in terms of a very clear defense, how they will exactly attack this, the attorneys have not had a chance to see the discovery underlying this indictment. Well, St. Louis Public Radio Justice Correspondent Rachel Lipman, I know you will be on top of this and uh, we expect uh, further details as they come. We'll provide them as they're here. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Sarah. Today's episode was produced by Sarah Fenske and Alex Hoyer, with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.